This is a QAMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute podcast. I'm Bridie Barry and you're listening to Body Lab. April 25th marks World Malaria Day and a chance to reflect on the inspirational scientists who are making it their mission to fight this deadly disease. Drug resistance is a growing problem though. And this is an area that's a real focus for the head of the Clinical Malaria Group here at QIMR Berghofer, Associate Professor Bridget Barber, with some very promising findings from her latest study. Bridget, thank you for talking with us. How big a problem is malaria still worldwide? Malaria does remain a very major global health problem. Nearly half of the world's population, so over 3 billion people, are at risk of malaria. The World Health Organization estimated in 2020 that there were around 240 million cases of malaria and over 620,000 deaths. And malaria is also a disease of massive inequity. Nearly all of the deaths, around 95%, occur in Africa, and around three quarters of these occur in children under five years of age. So as an example, in Nigeria alone in 2020, it's estimated that there were around 150,000 deaths in children under five years of age. It's a very major problem and we we really need to do better. And concerningly, in recent years, progress towards malaria control has really stalled and, in fact, in some regions even worsened. And this was happening even prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. And with the disruption of services due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the situation has worsened further. Obviously, people in developed countries may not necessarily know a lot about because they don't have to deal with it. What are the symptoms like? How does it progress, this deadly disease? So there's a huge range. Many people, well, in fact, many people carry parasites and and don't get sick at all and may be completely asymptomatic. And in fact, this is one of the particular problems with controlling malaria is that it's difficult to find and treat these people. And so these people can be responsible for the ongoing transmission of malaria. So malaria can be completely asymptomatic, but of course, at the other end of the scale, it can also be fatal. We've got extremely effective treatments for malaria but one of the tragedies in developing countries is that many people have difficulty accessing these treatments sadly many people do die from malaria every year. You've spent time on the ground in remote and and rural areas in places like East Timor, Papua New Guinea and Malaysia volunteering as a, a young junior doctor then to running clinical trials as an infectious diseases physician. How devastating is the impact of malaria on these communities? It varies greatly from country to country, and I should say that the countries that I've been in are not the countries in Africa, so they're actually not the countries that really experience the greatest burden of disease. But you mentioned East Timor. When I was in East Timor in in 2004, there was a high burden of malaria, and now, in fact, there is very little malaria in East Timor, and in fact, East Timor is approaching malaria elimination. So it's a real example of what can be achieved uh, with, with the required resources. Just going back, why malaria? Why did you choose that as, as your area of focus? Well, my interest probably did start in East Timor when I, when I saw such a burden of disease and so many children very unwell with malaria. It is a disease that we should be able to eliminate and that wealthy countries have been able to eliminate. That really motivated me to, to want to contribute. We've got to try to eliminate it through prevention vaccines, mosquito control, and through anti-malarial drugs. And that's where your research comes in, right? 
Yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, drug resistance is an increasing problem. It's particularly a problem in countries in Southeast Asia, particularly countries such as Cambodia, where resistance to first-line antimalarials is a major problem. Uh, and of particular concern, antimalarial drug resistance has now emerged in Africa. And given the burden of malaria in Africa, this is obviously a very major concern. We do need new antimalarial drugs, and my group is focused on. So my group conducts malaria volunteer infection studies where we inoculate volunteers with malaria and this gives us an opportunity to test new antimalarial drugs and then to be able to evaluate the safety and the antimalarial activity of these antimalarial drugs in a very controlled setting. And you've just had the findings of your latest research published in The Lancet. They're very promising. Yeah, so this was Lancet Infectious Diseases, a drug called Xi19489. It's a, a new antimalarial drug that's being co-developed by the Medicines for Malaria Venture and the pharmaceutical company Zytus Cadilla. It was a study that we conducted throughout 2019 and 2020. And as you say, it was just published earlier this year. In this study, we enrolled 71 participants. They weren't all infected with the malaria. The majority of those participants were just treated with the study drug alone so that we could check first the safety of this drug in volunteers who didn't have malaria. Once we had determined that the drug could be safely given to people, then we were able to test it also in volunteers who we first infected with malaria. The results were very exciting, so we found that it was indeed a safe drug. It had very good anti-malarial efficacy. So the results from, from this study indicate that this drug can be used, well, hopefully it can go forward to larger clinical trials in, in the field. What could this mean then for the fight against malaria? So the next trials that will be using this drug will be looking at the drug in combination with another antimalarial, antimalarials to reduce the chance of developing further resistance to other antimalarial drugs. It's, it's recommended that we use antimalarial drugs should be used in combination. So this drug will likely be used in combination with another antimalarial drug and if it's successful then it can be used to treat drug resistant malaria in countries with problems with drug resistance. And how soon? Well clinical trials take a long time to complete so it will be some time off yet. Is it hard finding people willing to be inoculated with malaria? Um, it is. It's a real challenge. So we work very closely with the University of Sunshine Coast Clinical Trial Site and they do a fantastic job in recruiting healthy volunteers and we're extremely grateful for people who do volunteer their time. It is a challenge. <laughs> Tell us how excited were you once you saw those results? Well, I, I suppose we were expecting that the drug would be effective based on the preclinical data and the, the animal studies. So we were expecting that it, that it would be working, but it was exciting to see how effective it was. This new study you're about to start, what's the process from here? So the study we're about to start is funded by the Medicines for Malaria Venture, evaluating an antimalarial drug called pyranaridine. So it's been used to treat malaria in China for around 30 years. And it's currently used in combination with another antimalarial drug, artesanate. Uh, it goes by the name of Pyramax, so that's a fixed drug combination. And that's used in countries such as Cambodia as a recommended first-line treatment for malaria. But there's increasing interest in using pyranaridine as a partner drug with other antimalarials, including potentially other new antimalarials undergoing clinical development. 
And to be able to use pyronarodine as a partner drug with other anti-malarials, it's, it's really important that we have a really good understanding of how pyronarodine works on its own. That's why we're undertaking this study, around 18 volunteers, infecting them with malaria and then treating them with different doses of pyronarodine. And the result will, will hopefully give us a really good idea of the optimal doses of pyronarodine to clear malaria parasites from the blood. Still such a huge issue. What do you think the main barriers are to eliminating it? Uh, so I think it's really funding and, and resources. I mean, we actually have many of the tools that we need to eliminate malaria. We have bed nets and many other tools that we know work to control malaria. Wealthy countries, you know, such as Australia, for example, have managed to eliminate malaria so that we know that we can eliminate malaria. But it's really resources and funding and obviously um, world events like the COVID-19 pandemic really add to the difficulties. And we've talked about drug resistance already and that's also certainly a major barrier to eliminating malaria. What would you say to people in developed countries like Australia then? Why is it so important that we care about malaria and fund it? So in Australia, obviously, we're very, very lucky. We've eliminated malaria. Half of the world's population remain at risk of malaria. As the medical research community, we have a responsibility to focus not just on health issues that affect our community directly, but also health issues that affect other communities around the world. It really is so interesting, and we look forward to hearing the results. If you'd like to follow Associate Professor Bridget Barber or donate to her research, go to qimrberghofer.edu.au. Thank you so much, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today.